We're in the middle of this series, Smoking What You're Selling, and I want to remind you of a TV show that aired from, what was it, 1994 to 2004. Some of you are gonna start singing now. <laughs> I'll be there for you. Okay, da, 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 da. okay, so friends, friends, believe it or not, and I find this hard to believe, I actually researched this, is now considered one of the greatest TV shows of all time. And there are apparently friends lovers in the congregation today. So let's test your knowledge for you TV watchers. The ladies on the show were Rachel, Phoebe, and Monica, and the guys were... Boom, okay, you know it. Uh, it. We all kind of obsess a little about friends. We do, we obsess about, we wanna have friends, we wanna have good friends, and some of us will go as far to measure our worth and value as a person based on the friends that we have or that we don't have. Um, what makes a good friend though? Is it? Is it just the ability to be fun and spontaneous? Does a friend need to have your same interests? I'm on the soccer team. Larry here's on the soccer team. Or I game till two in the morning. You know, what, what is it? Do they have to have the same interests and hobbies? I'm a Democrat, she's a Democrat. I'm a Republican, he's a Republican. Like, how does that work? Do they have to have the same interests? Or uh, is a good friend someone who actually balances you out? Someone who's different from you? So what makes a good friend? If you think about it, think for a moment the friends that you've collected over your life. Most of these friends, you didn't choose them, did you? They, it just kind of happened. Uh, chances are, and for most of us this is true, you didn't choose your friends, you simply hung out with the people who accepted you. You may not know this, but human beings are are, we are drawn to acceptance like iron to a magnet. Boom. Like anybody who's gonna offer us acceptance, ding, 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 I'm, you know, we're there. So if you're a parent, by the way, and you've got kids, this is huge, this never changes. As your love and acceptance of your children can never be based on some level of their performance, right? You love and accept them no matter what. Because if you don't do that, guess what? Your kids are gonna go, somewhere else where they are accepted. We know this as a church, right? There are churches that are great about accepting people, and then there are churches that aren't. And you can feel the difference, right? We're, we go where we're accepted. Now, the thing is, you can be accepted, but not really loved. You can be accepted by people who are far from God. You can be accepted by people who are making really bad life decisions and they'll give you bucket loads of acceptance. So here's where I'm going today, right? A good friend is someone who brings you to Jesus and who brings Jesus to you. And that's what we see in this account in the Gospel of John. A good friend is someone who brings you to Jesus and who brings Jesus to you. The Bible tells us that Jesus was a friend of sinners. And the Bible tells us that he called his disciples his friends. And since we're piggybacking on the bottom lines, right, from our friends in G-Town, I wanna make a case today that a good friend is someone who brings you to Jesus. So if you brought a paper Bible, open it to the Gospel of John. We're gonna be in John's Gospel, and we're gonna be in the first chapter. I've been really blessed throughout my life to have 
had good friends. When I was in high school, my friends were from band because I was in band. And so we were band nerds. I don't know what they're called today, but you know, maybe band kids rule the world. Do they rule the world? No. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and in my little circle, a number of us were Jesus followers. We were trying to follow Jesus. And, and we had this hokey thing. There was a Michael W. Smith song that was really popular back then. And a friend is a friend forever if the Lord's the Lord of them. This is why I don't sing, by the way, publicly, okay? And we made little placards that we all kept with that little verse of the song. I know, cheese-o-rama. But they were my friends. They offered me acceptance. Uh, for a good chunk of my younger 20s, I, my friends came from Baptist singles groups because I was a Baptist at the time. And, and they categorized people by stage of life and gender, right? So, you know, that's just how it worked. Um, and over the years, I've met a, made a ton of friends through the small groups that Jenny and I have been part of. Um, and so I want to look at how good friends bring their friends to Jesus. And I want to do that by looking at this encounter with Jesus, Philip, and Nathaniel. It's from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 43 and following. And we're just going to take it one little section at a time. Verse 43, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is, his name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. So Philip is from Bethsaida, a town that is along the Jordan River. It's right up there uh, in the corner, Bethsaida, and that's the Jordan River that goes up north around the Sea of Galilee. If you look to the left of this map and down, see Nazareth is kind of out there. Nazareth was considered the podunks of that part of Judea and was kind of looked down upon. And they thought of Nazareth as the backwaters, kind of the way that people in Louisville and Lexington tend to view Eastern Kentucky. Just saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same, okay? so they kind of looked down on Nazareth. No big political figure, no military person, no great person of wealth ever came from Nazareth. And, and so uh, uh, Nathaniel doesn't know that Jesus was actually born in Bethlehem. Nathaniel knows this upstart rabbi is the son of Joseph from where? Nazareth, and he's a devout follower of God. He knows his scriptures. And in essence, what he's saying to Philip is, no, the person that Moses and the prophets spoke about is not gonna be from Nazareth. It's gonna be from the line and house of David. I know my Bible, come on. It's, it's nobody. Now, Nathaniel, if, if you read through the New Testament, and I know several of you are doing that right now, I wanna point this out. You may get confused. Nathaniel in John's gospel is the same guy as Bartholomew in uh, Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke. 
Same person. I know, it's weird. How's come they have two names? Trust me, I know this is a problem. I actually have two names myself. Max is my nickname and Mark is my real name. And it comes up time and time again, especially in small group, because last year my mom was in small group. So it's time for prayer requests. They're talking about people and everybody would have to be like, who's Mark again? Oh, that's right, that's Max, ding. Okay, so, so again, Nathaniel is the same person as who? Bartholomew, okay, so you got this, all right? Now, the irony, of course, is that Nathaniel doesn't know the whole story. He doesn't know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But Philip, being a good friend, is like, no, 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 come on, come on, you gotta come and see this guy. And so that's where we pick it up in verses 47 and following. As they approached Jesus, as they approached, Jesus said, now, here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How'd you like Jesus to say that to you? That's not bad. How do you know about me, said Nathaniel? Well, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Now, a true Israelite is not someone who has perfect obedience, is not someone who understands the scriptures perfectly. It's simply someone who is really devoted to God. You could be a Jew, you could be an Israelite and not care two hoots about Yahweh. But a true Israelite, a true son or daughter of Abraham is someone who is devoted to God. And so Jesus sees in Nathaniel an honest seeker, someone who's trying to figure out life. I gotta tell you, gang, our community is full of people who aren't sure if Jesus is who he claims to be, aren't sure, sure if there really is a God or not, but they're curious and they wanna know. They'd love to know, because there are very articulate people of faith who are smart and savvy and convinced that Jesus rose from the dead, right? So they're out there and Nathaniel's in this category. I almost wonder if Nathaniel under the fig tree was doing the whole like, what's the meaning of life? Is there life after, like all this stuff that you do as you go through life. Those of you that are younger, you're gonna be like, what? I'm telling you, you reach a point in life and you really, you kick the tires and you're like, is this life all there is? Is God really real? How do I know? Am I really happy? Where do I fit in? Where do I belong? Do the people around me really care about me? Nathaniel is surprised that Jesus knows he's got that sincerity about them, okay? Which, by the way, Jesus knows you, right? If Jesus knows Nathaniel, Jesus knows you, Jesus knows me, he, ex he can take away any of our masks and he can expose us for who we really are. Jesus knows the real us. And, note, and the good news is he's not gonna run away <laughs> from the real us, all right? The passage continues, verse 49 and following. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you're the son of God, the king of Israel. Big titles going on there. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? you'll see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth, this is the verily, verily I say unto you, I tell you the truth, you will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Now Jesus is saying something very specific here. And if you were a good Jew like Nathaniel, if you were a true Israelite, you'd be like, oh, ding, 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 dramatic foreshadowing, myth, you know, connecting the dots, woo! Okay, so Jesus is alluding to 
uh, a passage in Genesis where Jacob wrestled with God. Jacob wrestled with God at this place and in, in a dream, there was this ladder that went up to heaven and angels were going up the ladder and coming down the ladder. And Jacob named that place Bethel, house of God. And I wanna read you what happened. Just listen to this account. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from earth up to heaven and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They'll spread out in all directions, to the west and the east and the north and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I'm with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day, I'll bring you back to this land. I'll not leave you until I've finished giving you everything I promised. So Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. No kidding. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. Jacob named that place Bethel, house of God. It became one of the great sanctuaries of ancient Israel. And what Jesus is saying in this passage is he's saying, I am Bethel. I am the place where heaven and earth meet. I am the way to get connected. I am the door, right? He says that in another place. So he is claiming something very significant. And what he's saying is what Moses and all the prophets point to is me. Jesus says it this way at the end of the chapter. Uh, I tell you the truth, you'll see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down and the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Come on, Nathaniel had a really good friend in Philip in dragging his little butt over to meet Jesus, didn't he? Did you know that Nathaniel later on went to become, he went to India after the resurrected, after the resurrection, and Jesus went back to heaven, uh, Nathaniel went to India to tell all the people that he could about what had happened in Judea and that what all, everything the Jews had been waiting for had come to pass. Nathaniel was really lucky to have a friend like Philip. And you'll notice in the Gospels, whether it's John or Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Philip and Bartholomew or Philip and Nathaniel are always listed together. Good friends, good friends. Let me ask you some questions in light of this passage, right? The first question, who in your life encourages you to trust Jesus regularly? Who in your life encourages you to trust Jesus when you don't want to? <laughs> who is that person? And then to flip it around a little, What's your biggest obstacle that keeps you from bringing your friends to Jesus? Is it because you're afraid of what they think? Is it because you don't think you know all the right Bible passages in all the right ways? Is it because you're afraid you won't be able to answer the objections that they have? Is it lack of opportunities? How can you overcome those obstacles? 
I try to make things as practical as I can here at Generations for you, right? So what does this mean? What does this passage mean for you and me this week, all right, moving forward? Here's how to take it home. First and foremost, when you're looking for friends, could I ask, could you look around the church first? Look around. Now, there are people out there that cloister themselves away and try and separate themselves from the world because they see the world as tainted and they want to, you know, come out and be separate. We'll do a whole other sermon about that someday. But, but I'm not talking about c- cutting off contact with people, but I'm, I'm just saying that look around the church. Um, one of the metaphors that the Bible uses is that the church is the very real body of Jesus Christ in the world today, Right? Where are some places to look in this congregation? Look at groups. I know, sometimes the groups are like, Thursday nights are really bad for me, that's when I perm my hair, or any number of reasons. No one does that anymore, I know, okay? So, but we come up with reasons, like Jenny and I had all kinds of reasons not to be in groups. Some of my best friends in my life have come out of groups. It didn't, didn't start out that way going into it, it just ended up that way later on. Uh, another place are places of service. I will tell you that when we do setup, like you're sitting in chairs right now because somebody came and put out these chairs for you. But when we're setting up chairs and when we're doing setup, (laughs) I'm getting some smiles from some people. There's more going on than setup. You know what we're doing? We're talking about life and our relationships and what's going right and what's going wrong and we're supporting each other and encouraging each other. Brandy knows this because she comes in and she cleans with Jenny and you're doing more than just cleaning, aren't you? I appreciate the clean toilets, by the way. Thank you, okay? So look around the church first, would you? And then secondly, um, uh, make room in your life. That means space on your calendar for face-to-face encounters in your home, in your apartment. I know, it's messy. I know the life's crazy, but face-to-face encounters. One of the things that are so wrong with, with life today, right, is we have... I have, Facebook tells me I have several hundred friends. Facebook is lying to me. This is not true. <laughs> and Facebook is lying to you too, okay? So it, it's those face-to-face counters, and they're awkward, trust me. The first time that I, Jenny and I got together, I was working at a, I told you a few weeks ago, I worked at a convenience store gas station. The assistant manager was Mark Talbert. They invited us over to Sue's apartment. Sue made a dinner for us the first night. Um, and I, she fed me two things I'm not supposed to eat. But because it was the first time with them, I ate them because I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be that guy. Oh, I can't have, you know. So I... By 20 minutes after the meal, I was curled up in a fetal position on the floor. And I was like, Jen, if you want to take me to the ER, like, I'm okay with that. (laughs) That's when Jenny knew, okay, this is bad. (laughs) And we ended up becoming really good friends, and she almost killed me the first time. (laughs) Okay? But you got to make room for those kinds of things. Third, grant your friends edit ability privileges. Your friends need to have permission for you to go, hey, what you doing? What's that all about? Or haven't seen you in church, or any number of things that a friend can say to you and challenge you on. Good friends challenge your thinking and make sure that you're doing and living the ways that are consistent with who you are and who you're supposed to be, right? but grant your friends. Sometimes it's as easy as verbalizing to them. I want you to ask me tough questions from time to time. And if I get snitty, remind me, I told you I want you to do this, 
right? Give them permission. And then lastly, we all tend to look at life through the lens of Nathaniel and we're looking for the Phillips who can kind of bring us to Jesus and bring, bring Jesus to us. But there are people in your life that might be looking to you to be a Philip for them. So turn around and look around. Is who's looking to you for friendship? Yeah, in the United States, we tend to focus on the receiving part, but the giving part is also part of it. Every single one of us in this room has the potential to be a Philip for somebody this year. Probably more than just one somebody's. Um, I've had several Phillips in my life. Andrew in college who pinned me to the floor and wouldn't let me up until I had made a decision whether I was gonna ask Jenny Thompson out on a date or not. Um, uh, Stuart who pushed and pushed and pushed to get me to go outside and at age 30 I realized I love the outdoors. Johnny come lately. Um, Burley. some a friend that we met in the context of small group, we have so much in common. He's athletic, can hit any kind of a ball. He can hit it and tell it exactly where to go. Um, he is on Sports Center all the time, da da da. Like, we're peasing. No, like, we could be more different ever. And, and uh, he would ask me regularly at a, at a season when I was trying to be more intentional about this have you, How many times have you hugged Jenny this week? Have you hugged your wife? Have you hugged your wife? <sighs> Thank you, Burley, he, you know, that editability privileges. Um, at, at, uh, at, at a youth missions event in Steubenville, Ohio, Brian was a very good friend to me. Brian, when I'm really tired, I can, my mouth can say things that are not good. So I have a terrible gift of sarcasm that comes out when I'm tired and grumpy, and it is not a blessing to anybody um, because I'm not a professional comedian. And so Brian would simply walk up to me or walk past me, and he would use this phrase, Max, what are you doing? And I would go, oh, I'm doing something I don't think I wanna do. I need to change that. It's a great question, okay? Does every single one of your friends need to be a follower of Jesus? No, it's not what I'm saying. But for those of you who are trying to follow Jesus, I want you to make room in your life to be a Philip for someone and for other people to be a Philip to you. Someone who brings you to Jesus and brings, brings Jesus to you. A good friend is someone who brings Jesus to you and who brings you to Jesus. And you can do that for other people.